This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Novembrino. I'm now 33, but if you talk to my co-host Jeff Hawkins, you wouldn't know it because he didn't wish me a happy birthday. He didn't do anything for me on my birthday. Jeff, hi. How's it going? Was that Tuesday or Monday? That was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. You just missed it entirely. I know you were captivated by the greatness that was SmackDown. You're just sinking your teeth into this Shane McMahon storyline so much so that you can't wish your own co-host a, a happy birthday. And, and I'm going to be fine. I'm a professional. I'm prepared to rise above this. I'm, I'm prepared to talk about some very good wrestling here. But uh, I want you to know this is a little bit of a take-it-to-the-grave situation for your pal Novi. I was barely online on Tuesday because I was having a crap day at work and it was in the aftermath of one of the worst job interviews I've ever been on. As I like to say, I have dates that have gone better than that job interview. Uh, yeah, well, you get all the Patreon money. That's my gift to you. That? that actually came in handy because I used that towards a new preamp. I'm upgrading the preamp here. So in a couple of weeks, you might hear better audio quality on my end. Speaking of least. which, I forgot to give an apology on Tuesday's show. We had planned to tape an episode get on in the Patreon. accountability room. This is this let's open this up with two stops into the accountability this room. This is you One. going to the accountability room though no, because I, the hailstorm knocked out your electricity. So we were going to yes. tape and then you couldn't record. So don't put this on me. Why is the hailstorm on me? Why am I in the accountability room? You should live in a place with better infrastructure. The <laughs> infrastructure is what it is. This was like oh, okay, okay. Like why am I going seventy into to the... eighty mile an hour winds here? Why Hawkins. am I okay? But why am I going into the accountability room then? My birthday. You completely missed it. I didn't completely miss it. I saw it and then I chose not to respond. Oh well, so that would still be a trip to the accountability room for <laughs> well, being by the a time, dick. By the time I saw it, it was like now, now 10 I at night. did not. I didn't. I didn't have a hailstorm because I'm a dick. You <laughs> saw my birthday and chose to do nothing for that reason. I'm, I'm almost, That's not like hail. I'm a grown man. I don't wish people happy birthday all the time. I'm sorry. I don't ask you to wish me a happy birthday the other 364 days of the year. In fact, I would rather that no one do that because that would just be weird. It would be weird to be like, happy birthday, Chris. Well, Chris, it's August happy, happy unbirthday. I would rather you didn't do that, honestly. <laughs> no, every I, I show from hadn't. now on, I am starting it with wishing you a happy unbirthday, Chris, because you were so mentally scarred. By me not wishing you a happy birthday. Look, as I said, I'm a professional. <laughs> I want to rise above this. I'm going to keep saying I'm a professional over and over again. It's not going Chris, to be annoying. Chris, I would like to officially apologize for not saying happy birthday. Jeff, I, I pondered I forgive it. you. I saw it. I go, I should wish Chris a happy birthday, and then I forgot to. Well, it wasn't like I was tweeting out announcements like it's my birthday or anything like that. I think that's sort of... Annoying. I don't like people who do that. I have a friend who has a birthday month, and I go, that is ridiculous. 
Yes, I ran into a couple of people. I had a few discussions with my birthday impending where I was like, oh, it's my birthday in a few days. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Happy birthday. And then we started talking about the people who make it a birthday week or do the birthday month thing. And I just think that that's weird. I'm not into that. Well, I, I go, you know, hey, it's my birthday. Oh, what are you doing for your birthday? I go, I'm going to work and then I'm coming back home. That's what I did. I think my birthday was on a Monday this year, so I had to watch Raw. Right now, let's get into our NXTs and our 205. Where would you like to begin, Jeff? Chris, we had a wonderful week of non-Vince McMahon wrestling programming. Oh my goodness. This was night and day, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I know they complain about this all the time. All three of these shows wanted me wanting more. And I haven't had that feeling watching a WWE-related product consistently in a long time. Now the I can't wait to see that. the next episode. Yes. Right? Yes. No, I can't wait to see the next episode, though, of the episodic TV. And, and yes, the takeovers get you wanting more, but they should, and they're also a different vehicle. This is the weekly episodic television and making that leaving you wanting more. And that's a different art, and they found that with all three of these episodes. So uh, we will start with, a, I guess, I'm, I'm thinking of out of the three, which is the one we don't give a lot of love to of late, and I'm guessing that would be 205 Live, so I would like to start there. Um, certainly, certainly. I have This had, opening match was so fresh. All, the, all these things were great, but... I had had a conversation in the last week with a member of WWE Creative who does some work on 205 Live and who indicated to me that the plan was to try and rotate people from, say, your NXTs or from your main roster or wherever that they weren't using and to not make them look bad or or in any way or anything like that, but just to freshen up kind of the territory and, uh, you know, have guys coming in and out and make it feel kind of fluid rather than, you know, repeating the Lucha House Party versus some combination of Gulak, Gallagher, and and uh, and and uh, Kendrick that we were getting, like, week after week after week for a while there. Um, but yes, Chad Gable, looking quite tan, looks like he went to the EC3 School of Tanning, and chiseled. Came out here, and he and Gallagher had a Donnybrook of a match. I loved this thing. And the crowd loved this thing. And my favorite thing about this match was what the crowd was getting excited for. And it wasn't necessarily big dive off the top rope to the outside sort of spots. It was just stiff-looking off of the rope style suplexes. There was one spot where Gallagher picks up Gable and I want to say he does like a slingshot back suplex or something and it looks stiff. I might have the move wrong. But the audience was reacting to nuanced elements of this match because they were really engaged and into this match. The belly to back suplex on the outside where Gallagher did the complete flip. I think is where the crowd really started to get into this, and and this crowd, yes, and this yes. crowd during the four way really picked up as well. But I, I want to talk about I, there were some groans when he first came out that oh Chad Gable's been demoted. Let me look. I would love for Chad Gable to be 
and ass kicker on the biggest show in the world. But Vince McMahon ain't that guy. He's never going to see that in Chad Gable. Even if he is dumbfound all of us because you can see the inordinate amount of talent that Chad Gable has. But he's Olympic level athlete. He is an Olympic at level athlete, legit. And they can't see the talent in him. And I would rather have him doing matches like this, even for a... He shined here in a way that he never has on the main roster. Yes. Even for like a disinterested, you got to win this crowd over week after week, 205 Live type post-Smackdown But when he came out, he felt like a star. There was star power with just him walking out. In a way that he never has on Raw, and you couldn't give it to him. They, I mean, they tried. They they gave him a few good matches on SmackDown at one point there in the last year. But he came out here on 205 Live, and it was like, oh, whoa, this guy. And everyone knows that this guy can wrestle. The, the people who are regular go-to WWE shows, they know he can wrestle. They're not going to sit there and have a mutiny against WWE and what WWE is putting out. They were excited, though, to see him on 205 Live. Well, if he wasn't in a tag team match, he was winning banana peel finishes over Jinder Mahal. And I would much rather have him doing matches like this and trying, however desperate it may be, to build this brand up than running around after R-Truth backstage for the 24-7 title. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My God, I forgot that just a couple of weeks ago he was chasing around in the wild card race. Yeah, but no, this... I mean, if he's a full-time... And they didn't really tip their hand whether or not this was just a one-time thing or not but if he's part of the 205 live roster it seems like it's got to recur right like there has to be another engagement between him and gallagher and i liked this end i I know oh i love this this is great but i you know it's so rare to see the guy struggling and not make it in the ring by i don't think it's weird i think it's sport I I think that this is a sport story. It's the first beat in a sport narrative where there is a close match that's not decisive. No Mm -hmm. one gets pinned. No one gets submitted. One person does come out the victor, and now it's how does Jack Gallagher emotionally react to a narrow loss, but he wasn't actually defeated. Does he handle that gracefully and want a rematch against Chad Gable, or does he, in the rematch, decide that he needs to take a shortcut? This becomes a decision point for the character in a sports narrative versus what's going on in the main roster right now, which is intrigue around you know different people's fathers and that sort of thing. But, but this is more my, my point. I, I, I agree with everything you said there, but I, I was saying every time you see these types of things, it's either, oh, they're struggling and they're struggling until it's like half a second left and then they just go full speed back into the ring which you don't believe, or they're just knocked out completely, and it's obvious it's going to be a count-out. I, I liked this kind of sense of drama, and I liked I, you know, I liked that, hey, sometimes they don't make it back as hard as they try. I, I, I think that's a totally legitimate ending. And yeah, the, the handshake after and, and, and Gallagher... This is just an interesting first beat. It makes yeah. sense. It's a plausible first beat to a story. It's a 
it's not like a new first beat. It's not like this is the first time it's ever been tried in wrestling, but it's certainly new for what we've seen on WWE television in the last three to four years. Gable's they don't a little, start off stories like this. Yeah, Gable's a little too cocky. Gallagher's a little bit too under. I mean, I loved his look when he heard the music hit and and just that little thing where he's like, oh, that's kind of surprising because this was a, I believe this was a surprise opponent for Jack Gallagher. I believe that's what the story was as well. So he didn't have adequate time to prepare, if you want to do that that story as well. Um, yeah, no, everything about this was solid. I loved it. So there was a downbeat on this show, at least for me, and that would be the Bollywood boys here. I, I will give them credit for adding in the Clapper Hollywood Blonde style. I, I did pop a little bit for that, but I thought this match against Dos Locales went on a bit long for my taste. I, you know, I don't mind squash matches for the Bollywood boys. That you need to build them up somehow, make them be. Jerk I know, heels. I, I know they do need to build them up somehow. This was a very boring squash. It match. was, it was because because the guys that they were in there with also, you know, they, you know, it, it, <laughs> it was where I believe it was uh Dave Meltzer who said that between this and the uh, Yolo County Tag Team Champions that really. They're trying to put an emphasis on if you don't wrestle in WWE, then you don't matter type of thing. Um, yeah, 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 I guess that makes sense. And maybe that's sort of a subtle jab at the AEW of the world and that sort of thing. Yeah, a, a bit. But, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm more disturbed by the hip gyrations than anything. But that's me being a prude. Um, but, you know, it's it's fine. Give them, make them cockier and cockier until they challenge someone and lose. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. And then we got this number one contenders match between Drew Gulak, Akira Tozawa, Umberto Carrillo, and Oni Lorcan. And I thought this was interesting. And before we get into that, I want to also stop real quickly and observe the great, subtle, kind of woven throughout the episode in backstage vignettes and also little events inside of matches at the end of this match as well. This storyline of Drake Maverick yes. losing control of management on 205 Live, and he's losing control in all sorts of different directions, whether it's the Mike and Maria stuff, whether it's not being able to make a call at the end of this match here. I like the fact that we are telling this Drake Maverick story, but it's coming from lots of different angles. Yeah, I I don't mind the story. I'm not going to say I'm madly in love with it, but it is a story and it's continuity, so I will give it high points for that. I don't want evil Drake Maverick as a commissioner. I don't need another heel authority figure. On That's my only problem show. with this story, right? It, the problem is that this story necessitates a change in either management or in the character of our manager character. And all I want is normal, straight-laced Drake Maverick man who calls it down the middle and is a sane man in an irrational world. You know, he, he he's he's the guy who comes out and goes, the committee has decided that you need to have this match tonight. Good day. And then leaves. That's all I want out of him. Yeah, I just want him to be a facilitator. I want him to be lawful neutral. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good way of putting it. So now let's get into this match here. What do you think about this match here in our main event? This match was awesome. This might be one of the better non I mean better matches under the WWE umbrella in a long time certainly 
one of my favorite 205 live matches in a long time. Maybe that uh, was it the the niece uh, Hideo Itami uh, anything goes match. I may, I may be mixing up the players in that a bit what is up there, but this thing was great. It won over the crowd. It got a 205 chant twice. Um, you know, and everybody kind of had a little bit of a different style in it, which made it kind of cool. You know, you had the, you had the mean grappler, you had the, the bruising, you know, strong yeah, the style brawling, form, the brawler. Yeah, yeah, the Oni Lorkin versus Drew Gulak square off was really interesting. Yeah, and then you, you had uh, Umberto, who was just fabulous in almost everything, and you had Akira Tozawa doing, uh, doing strong style. So you, you had everything in there. And everybody meshed well, everything flowed well, and it was just, it was exciting for Bell Bell. And I liked the finish of this match up until kind of the playing to the back of the room histrionics of, you know, arms up, arms down, arms up, up, arms down. Just, yeah, yeah, right. Just, just have both, both referees holding up the guy's thing and Drake being un- unable to make a decision, and we go to next week. I, I you know, but, but, I thought the ending. I had you know no that's small with potatoes that. though because yeah. people won't remember yeah, you're right. that particular piece of blocking. No, but I'm with you. I thought that that was a little bit over the top, but yeah, I, I don't think people will retain that blocking. And obviously, in the editing room, if you want to get rid of that when you're making these packages, it can be shoved down the memory hole. But I thought that this was like a really great example of everything that 205 Live is supposed to be, from Japanese-styled wrestling to having a luchador like Umberto Carrillo to having kind of the light heavyweight brawler Oni Lorcan, and then also the Dean Malenko-styled submission specialist character. Having all four of those types, that's what 205 Live is supposed to be about, and you can now see those additions making a big difference. Drew and Akira have been great, but adding Umberto Carrillo and Oni Lorcan really has freshened up this roster and given them a lot of different match styles that they can have now that they weren't able to have six months ago. Yeah, well, let, let me go back to the referee spot. I under, the, the psychology behind it, to me, is you're getting the audience involved in a yay-boo spot type thing. And so, so I can forgive it for that reason because it's audience you know, but what i don't like about that is that the audience is going partisan and they're now trying to influence the referee incorrectly yeah uh lurkin after a couple weeks of weird histrionics and facial expressions and stuff he had a bit of a moment on on this week's show but overall he's fit in quite well with this roster i think i i worry a bit about the double duty with nxt i think he fits in better with with danny birch as a tag team but i don't mind him being on this show i think i think he's been a welcome addition quite frankly yeah i completely agree i want to touch on a little bit about drew gulak what are you thinking about his evolution here because there was a moment where he was coming out and he kind of looked at his own titan tron and snarled as if rejecting that too. Is this just kind of, kind of, I'm rejecting everything I used to be in 205 Live. And instead of being, you know, the humorous PowerPoint person, I'm now going to be the gritty submission specialist. And so now I just have to like hate everything and be misanthropic. I think so, and Nigel was hitting that point on commentary as well, so I think you're basically dead on. Now Drew Gulak is going to reject anything 
from the past that you might have liked about him, even though he's been a heel pretty much this entire way down. Which is weird, because again, it sits in contrast with the finish of the NXT storyline he did with Kushida. Alright, Jeff, let's move it on over to NXT. So, NXT this week featured Io Shirai and Candice LeRae versus Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. And this ended in a no contest. First, what would you think about Duke and Shafir's in-ring outing here this time? I didn't think it was that bad. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to say. But you're still grading on a scale of that bad, huh? Uh, it was pretty good. I, I thought, to be honest with you, they were there to bump like mad for for the baby faces, and I was cool with that. Um, they didn't really get a lot of offense on top. So, you know, and and that's always kind of been their problem is they're a little bit too, they're a little stiff in that department, but I want to start just from the very, very beginning. Okay. They should tape all their TV tapings in their house shows on the road. I agree. This crowd was great. I loved this Bel Air, Maryland crowd. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little jaundiced about the full sale crowd. This was a crowd that wasn't trying to get itself over towards the end, and they weren't worn out. They were there to see the matches, and I thought it was a hot crowd all night. Um, as, as for the match, I loved the way that they got out of this match. I want a double countout due to everybody kicking each other's butts. That was awesome to me. They are so invested in this fighting each other that they don't care about winning or losing the match. This 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 felt like an old school Crockett taping in like Dorton Arena in Raleigh where they're like up against the guardrails hitting each other, going throughout the arena. I adored this match. Yeah, in a vacuum, I absolutely had those vibes where it was like this is very very old school and EO it had an edge to it it had an edge to it when they were fighting each other the thing for me is now I put it back into the context of this EO Shirai and Shayna Baszler storyline and I'm finding myself confused still with Io Shirai and where exactly we're going with all Uh, this you won't be you won't be confused much longer I'll, I'll put okay. it that way. I've, I've read the spoilers, so, but I won't I go into them on the air. Um, all right, all right. But I did love that spot where Io is staring down Shayna, getting ready to do her move in front of her, and Shayna's just like, I know how devastating this is. Don't break my friend's arm. And, and just Io just giving absolutely no cares or no empathy to it and stomping on the arm. I, I loved that, too. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, and it, it's bringing a new edge to Io Shirai that her character desperately needed. Yeah, she's still adorable, but she's angry and adorable now. But uh, I like her and Candace as a tag team. Yeah, I like them. I like them as a tag team. I like team. them better, actually, than, than I liked her and Kyrie. Because Kyrie was always... Because the problem is, when they're doing the matches in NXT... 
Kyrie and Eo, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. And I, I just the character well. overlap, and also the this fact was... that the "you're my best friend" thing never actually paid off in right. one of them turning heel on the other. It was just, "Oh, you're my best friend," and then it was two peas in a pod a little bit too much. But Candace and Eo have a much different vibe. The problem to with it. the two peas in the pod thing is it doesn't allow either pea in the pod to shine as an individual, Correct. especially when you give them that generic of a character. Correct. They're just they're just a catchphrase in WWE land as opposed to really kind of exploring. And the in the case of EO and Kyrie, they weren't even a catchphrase. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's good to have those two separated off from each other. Don't skip on the promos because I want to go over those as well. OK, which promo do you want to go over? Uh, 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 both uh, the Velveteen Dream promo. OK, OK, where... let's go over the Velveteen Dream promo. What do you want to hit on that? I thought it was short to the point, and, you know, I actually liked the dumb joke he was telling. The, uh, it's solid, it's shiny, and no, I'm not talking about the belt. I'm talking about me. You know, I, I, I love this cocky flake. I love cocky flake characters. So I, I really, I, I dug this. He's He hasn't called anybody out yet. It's just him putting himself over. I kind of dug it. And see, I was way more into the Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah promo let's, on Mia Yes, Yim. let's talk about this as well, because I... <laughs> this is great. This is awesome. This is giving Vanessa Bourne so much characterization. Noof. <laughs> or, or Aaliyah is such an idiot, and I love her for it, but I bet she can't read or write. Just for some reason, that line coming out of nowhere made me howl and then to have the books for it uh yes <laughs> to say i bet she can't read and then to give her a whole bunch of books <laughs> i i will say that at the end um there is a this is an acting note there's a difference between stage acting and camera acting where you have to go big on the stage so that everybody can see it. Noof was going, I keep calling her Noof. Aaliyah was, was going a little bit too big where subtlety, I mean, something a little bit more even normal would have caught on, but instead of that, huh? type of reaction that, that she was giving, I thought that was a little bit unwarranted. I like Vanessa Bourne in this role of just kind of den mother to a younger, snottier version of herself. <laughs> she's uh this is an interesting pair i mean it's the mean girls thing but it's more of a class system type thing than just a arrogant type thing which adds a new different layer to it yeah it's interesting i don't know where you can go with these two in the current women's division oh they're but... the honky tonk men of this division. yeah right no i yeah i know they're they're very low on the totem pole right now and, that, and that's okay that's okay i wouldn't mind though an iconics versus these two match as a one-off defense where they're interesting both with, with like a with like some sort of tete-a-tete on 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 promos between the two of them and so you just kind of dislike everybody in the match and maybe somebody runs in eventually or some babyface team somehow gets shine off of both of them but i wouldn't mind a one-off match for the women's tag team titles between these two teams well if we're just talking about one-off matches i think the clear one-off match that i want to see now is the undisputed era versus imperium now that both have four <laughs> members, give that to me. 
Okay, we'll, we'll go into that uh, when we get to NXT UK. Yes, but right now, let's talk about Drew Gulak versus Kushida, where I think, again, you know, we have to kind of pull the camera out and say, so if we're talking about this in the context of everything we're doing with Drew Gulak, I don't like this because the end of this, the, the respect angle sits in dissonance with what's going on in 205 Live. But now that we've said all that, let's just focus on this match. And this was really cool, and this match had a really cool energy about it. It felt sporty. Uh, Moro kept hitting notes about rings and Pancrase and various promotions over in Japan in the late 1990s, and I thought that that was an apt comparison. This is a really, really good map-based wrestling match. I really liked this. This was Kushida's best showing that I've seen Absolutely. on television so Absolutely. far. Absolutely. Um, I disagree with you about the sportsmanship thing because I didn't view it that way. I didn't view it as respect. I viewed it as... Uh, uh, a little bit more of, see, because he wasn't really giving respect. He was giving respect because he had to more than he wanted to. It's it's that. It's right. The, He's accepting defeat. Yeah. He, he accepted the defeat, but begrudgingly and not before dressing him down and just kind of smacking his hand and walking away. So this could be elevated in a way if he wanted to. If you don't, it's a perfect end of the story. And I'm good with that, too. Yeah, but I, I really liked this. I, I think, you know, the big problem is a disconnect between Kushida's character and the match styles that they've been having this guy do. It, it's weird to have him be working this Back to the Future act when he's the great submission specialist Kushida. Well, yeah, Although they- I will say they're doing a good job establishing a babyface submission specialist. Like, if he wasn't doing the Back to the Future gimmick, if he was just Kushida... He would be substantially and emphatically established as a babyface submission specialist, not unlike, not quite the level of Matt Riddle, but along a similar trajectory. The gimmick screams flashy, and the wrestler is technically proficient, and that's your disconnect. Is everybody's expecting, yes. you know, high flying Japanese style? You know, what we're used to, like a, a younger Liger or a Muda type, you know, oh, he's he's the time splitter. That means he, you know, goes through time quickly and fast and flash and blah, da, 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 da. No, he, he's a guy who can, you know, put a hammer lock on you. And and that, that there's your disconnect. If he had just been, you know, oddly enough, if he had just been Hideo Itami after Hideo Itami, this would be working a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I certainly don't think he needed to be working the Back to the Future gimmick. I get going, well, it ain't broke, why fix it? But I think there was actually a case in this... I think in this case, there was a case for fixing it. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I had about NXT, I wanted to go a little bit over the Mansoor promo. Yes, I, I, I this thought, is interesting. I thought this was well-produced. If I'm a guy who doesn't know a whole lot, I'm loving this promo, and I'm loving the fan reactions to this, and I think this is overall a positive. Unfortunately, Mansoor has some problematic opinions he's expressed on social media, and I'm guessing they're just going to kind of bull right through those uh, to get the happier story out there. Yes. I don't know about the problematic opinions, so I will reserve opining on them because I am truly agnostic about them at the time of the recording. 
it's not necessarily I will tell, surprising. I will, I will tell you about them off the air. How about that? Um, that that sounds good, and I think that but you the know package in a bubble was fantastic for Mansoor. Yes, yes, and in a bubble, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think that is the recurring theme here, right? If you're talking about the overall relationship between this company and the king of Saudi Arabia and the kingdom under the king of Saudi Arabia. That's a different discussion, but in terms of just establishing a guy who's the baby face for a nation, that type of wrestling character, I think they've done as good of a job with Mansoor as you could hope to do. And Mansoor has, in the ring, risen to the occasion and shown development and growth. I mean, obviously he's getting overpushed for the purposes of promotional purposes, but they did this with Jinder Mahal, too. Can I say mostly... From beginning to end, this was the best episode of NXT UK yet. There was one dud in here, or one thing I didn't quite enjoy, but from the moment this started with the video package and the you call yourselves big strong boys, well, we're big strong men, and Trent Seven looking at the camera, we're going to beat the S out of you, I was in. I was so in to this, and they did. So many things well on this show tonight. Um, where to start? Uh, Legero got some backstory and some sympathy from me oh over my why goodness. he wears the, the mask. The Legero thing makes all the sense in the world yes. now. And if I had had this up front, I wouldn't have been making fun of any of this. I actually understand the mask now you get that the mask is hiding a perceived imperfection that he is concerned about which is why he started wearing the mask in the first place it's not just about oh i want to be a it just it makes so much more sense now show I, I, one I, I that should have been on doing. show number one yes even if yes. They, it, even if this was a retread from one of the tournaments and i'm not sure it is or not but this should have been on show number one or right before the first time you put him on in on a match and and then we wouldn't be going, oh, God, we got to see another Legero story or something. We'd have been behind him from the get-go. Yeah, I this completely changes my perspective on this guy. Yeah, no, mind-altering for me. Kenny Williams, interesting little promo with him. I'm not sure where this wrinkle is going with him, but I, but I like this, and I like threading this little thread between Kenny Williams and Noam Dar. Yeah, Noam Dar is going to be a a heel on this show, I guess, uh, and it just kind of kind of increases that story a little bit. Uh, I like Kenny overall, um, and I'm wondering about- if we're going to get Noam Dar and Cassius Ono as friends on this show because I think they would be delightfully obnoxious together. Oh yeah, and then you know you have Mark Andrews and Kenny Williams on the other side. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, no, that works for me as well. And then we had another Ilya Dragunov build-up match. This time he defeated our boy Joseph Connors. This was my one kind of downbeat. I I hate Joseph Connors with a passion of a thousand suns. I just find him dull. Ilya Dragunov is playing way too big for this room. Everything is... The conducting the audience thing is so cheesy the thing i want is i want all 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 of this big gesticulation and then i just want like cash zone to knock him out 
Because that would be funny to me, but that would be the death of the character. I like Ilya Dragunov, but it, it feels like it feels like he's like a five foot ten, five foot eleven guy, or however tall he is. But he's trying to play a six foot six monster, and it's not working for me. No, I I concur, and yes, I I think that there's talent there clearly, but this character is not clicking for me either. I liked the video package with Travis Banks. I Loved thought that it. was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. This is the and best I thought thing. that that actually did a good job cleaning up the Devlin Banks stuff that we thought was a little bit muddy at the time. Well, what it did for him, and this is something they had to do a little bit more of, is it humanized him. It yes. made him relatable. It made him friendly. It made him likable, as opposed to the snarling buzzsaw character we've been seeing all these weeks and that's what baby faces need to show some vulnerability that's sympathetic so it's something that's relatable sometimes wwe chooses to go the i I have a dream route and having a dream is good but sometimes that can be a little bit cheesy with Ligero, you had this thing about imperfection and wanting to overcome a perceived flaw like that's really compelling i think that there's a lot of different routes you can go but baby faces show a vulnerability and, and that's tra- what we relate to and travis banks has i mean and, and i think the juxtaposition thing works for travis banks quite a bit like when he was in the south pacific power trip which i still claim is one of my favorite tag teams of all time even though they were very short-lived he and T.K. Cooper had a partnership, but it was Travis Banks is this focused, you know, professional, like, like you know, and I'll use a Daniel Bryan corollary, you know, the, the technician, technical master, focused professional athlete. And T.K. Cooper is kind of flaky and way too into his girlfriend, you know, and, and but uses Travis Banks to, you know, because they're, they have great team chemistry. And that juxtaposition worked. The juxtaposition of him being completely focused to kind of make up for his niceness outside of the ring, as this video showed, that helps this character so much to me. It's almost like I got to... You remember that scene in Pulp Fiction where they're hanging out in the hallway before they go into Marvin's apartment to uh, pick up the briefcase, and Jules says, let's get into character? That's kind of what it feels like with Travis Banks. It's, I'm this nice guy who has to get into this character in order to be the buzzsaw, but really, here's what I am outside of the ring, guys. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought this was well done. And packages like this become kind of a recurring text that we visit in our head every time we see this person wrestle. So the next time you see Legero in the ring, you remember that time that you saw the video package where he talked about having that surgery when he was a boy for his eye. The next time you see Travis Bank in the ring and he's really intense, you're thinking about him outside of the ring. You're going, wow, he's so mean in the ring, but he's such a nice guy outside of the ring. That's actually playing a little bit in the background of your mind as you're watching this match, and, and that makes these packages very effective. Both should be part of any pre-show match video that they show on a takeover absolutely just intersperse absolutely. Part of, parts of them in there just to remind the crowd of who, who they're watching yeah so one that i didn't like from this week was the tony storm package where she's talking about her shiny shiny 
I just I think I liked is... that. In, I liked it really? until the end. Okay. I liked it okay. until the end. I liked it until the end where she kind of gave that giggle that was almost heelish, and I went, "Ooh, no, that sets the wrong tone for." It. But I, I, I like, I, I like smiling, happy Tony Storm over punk rock girl Tony Storm because I think it gets a little bit into Rhea Ripley territory when she's like that. Yes, and I also don't think she quite has the tone right for the babyface punk rocker, take no prisoners, I'll fight anyone, me against the world. Like it, it's not at least not on this NXT UK brand. Yeah, she I don't want her I don't there. want her to be a ditzy blonde. No. But no, I don't want that either, and I don't want her to have no personality either. Yeah. I, I, I there's still a little bit on a search for me with the personality part mm-hmm. of this character, but I, I like her in the ring, of course. Yes. So I that's my thoughts on that. And then I think oh, we have one more very important promo. This is probably Actually, honestly yeah, one promo. of the finer pieces of television I've seen, I don't know, let's say eight months. Black Mirror just came out. That was okay compared to this. The hunt promised vengeance against those scurrilous heels. Gallus, I don't even really want to mention their names, Jeff. Um, I I just know that they're going to get theirs, and it's going to be sweet. There was spitting, there was grunting, there were cameramen being knocked down, and I I hope they just run in and bite into their jugulars. That's what I want out of the hunt. I want want their masks back. This better end with Wolfgang bloody and Mark Coffey just confused and running from the ring. I want some Lord of the Flies style violence in this. I I want I want Wolfgang dismembered. You know I want I want a Joe and Mark hit. abandon Wolfgang to the hunt who demolish yes. him. They're oh oh that would actually be really awesome. That'd be a great spot. Chris, now I want nothing else. I really enjoyed the Zaya Brookside Isla Dawn versus Ginny and Jazzy Gabbert tag team. Yeah, match the for intro what it was. when when Jazzy and Ginny come to the ring. At one point, the camera coverage goes on this diagonal angle, and it really showcases the height and size and width differential between Ginny and Jazzy. Great choice on that camera angle. This pairing is Monet. I love it. Yes, I love stories where wrestlers hire these types of people to do their dirty work for them. It's been a trope of the territories for ages. It works for a character like Ginny. The most is... important beat of this match is where Ginny demands the tag so that yes! she can get the glory. yes. Damn it, you took my thunder. I loved her yelling and saying, tag me in, because you know later down the line there's going to be that moment where either Ginny loses, or not Ginny loses, but uh, Jazzy takes a pinfall, or she decides to pin for herself and not tag in Ginny, and that's when that face turn's going to come up for now. And that's good storytelling, because the first beat of the story gives you a dictation of where we're going in the end. Yes, the end is always in the beginning. Yeah. Isla Dawn is someone you can sacrifice. I'm fine with this. Zaya Brookside is the hero of this story. The little manic pixie girl who's who's going to get her butt kicked, but can't find any friends that are of any worth, and eventually is going to have to stand up to this monster. Uh, just overall good professional wrestling storytelling on all this, and... 
Ginny is is just so so unlikable and great in this role. She comes off, she comes out, she sneers, she does that crap with her hand where it's kind of like beckoning Jazzy to come out, and then she just has this crap-eating smirk all the way down. She is phenomenal. She's Love so self-satisfied. No, this yes. team has so much star power. I was just watching them come to the ring, I was like, this is great. I know exactly what these two people are about. They have not said a word. They are just walking to the ring. I can see it in the way they're dressed, in the way that they're walking, everything about the blocking, all of the little details. It's all right there in 10 seconds before they ever, you know, do a collar and elbow tie-up. That's great. And then a staple of my childhood in the one-hour Crockett shows was for the main event, you'd have like a six-person tag amongst three different programs that were fighting each other. I like Stable Wars as well, so British Strong Style versus Imperium. Oh my god, did I this love this? This is great! And it, and did it, I love oh, this? Oh, this is so good. This was such a nice, fun way to end this episode. It was a very... Con- it was a satisfying finish to the match in the sense that there was an actual winner, but the winner wasn't really the point. The point is now that Alexander Wolf is part of Imperium, but along the way here, I just loved seeing Walter get into lock horns with Trent Seven, Tyler Bate. I liked seeing Pete Dunn in there with Eichner and Bartell. I like this. I like this feud a lot. Uh, uh, Alexander Wolf, a former member of Ring Comp as well, so he fits into this. I could also see Ilya Dragunov eventually joining this thing as well. Um, he might me, actually me... be the fourth person to even up things for British Strong Style when they need to have that fourth. Well, I think it's gonna be to Travis go... Banks. I think they're gonna bring him in. Okay. I don't think, okay. Ilya, I don't think Ilya's a babyface. Really? Is he? he I think so. I, I, but I think he's being presented as a babyface. I, oh, okay. I, I'm with you. Well, Joseph I, Connors is just so, so bland. I can't tell if he's babyface or he. Is. Anyone who's beating up Joseph Connors is sort of de facto is, a babyface baby for face. me. No, you're correct. But I, I also think that Dragunov has had other matches against de facto heel type characters, and that he is yeah, being okay. presented sort of as a face. He, okay, I could see him doing the, the being the fourth. I could see. Uh, Dave Mastiff. I could see Travis Banks. Yeah, you got a you lot got of a number guys. of options. Yes, exactly. I like that. Um, things I loved. I loved the initial beatdown of Fabian Eichner on Pete Dunn. I think you need to give Fabian Eichner that kind of singles credibility, kind of the Arn yes, Anderson yeah. of this crew. Mm-hmm. I was enjoying that. Trent Seven coming in and just basically smacking Bartell in the face and then going to chopping Walter was one of my favorite. Uh, this this match was so great because Trent Seven's the guy you have to beat up in this match because both there's because there's money in both Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn beating up Walter. There's not so much and there's sympathy in watching Trent Seven, you know, whose tights may not fit as well as they should. You know, in there, giving it his all and getting his he ass He uses beat. a he higher is, waistband, Jeff. He, well, no, well, they were rolling down for some reason, which was driving me well, insane. For some reason. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I understand. No, I, the other thing that they did 
very effectively was take advantage of Walter's justifiable power and size differential. Um, And so he was able to come in there and put heat on all of British strong style who are meant to be kept fairly strong. But when Walter's in there and in control of any of those sections against those people, it makes sense because Walter is bigger, stronger, and he's also your current NXT UK champion. Yeah, but but Walter also has another thing that he does very, very well that's very underappreciated by a lot of people. The cytosuplex. Well, 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 when he's on top, he's powerful and he's impressive with the, with the chops and stuff. When he is doing the heavyweight that's been locked loopy type thing, and that gets the crowd into it, he is hot fire during that time in terms of his in terms of his wow I've 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 been stunned and I'm giving this guy a hope spot type thing. That is the magic of Walter to me as as the champ is. All these smaller guys are gonna come at him and knock him loopy for a second. Everybody's gonna think, oh, he has him now. I think that is money. Uh, other things I really enjoyed in this match, the uh, the callback to the Arn Anderson Alex Wright DDT spot, where he fakes hitting him and the guy ducks and he DDTs him. Love that every time, and Bartell is the perfect flake for that. The return of Brainbusters on national television, I welcome. I want pile drivers, standard pile drivers, back soon as well and then i will have wrestling the way i want it i loved the brain buster here it was it was that the way they execute that the way eichner executes that thing it's outstanding i i just love watching it every time um yes this, this hit me in all the feels and i liked i liked the end i liked the reveal of wolf i thought that was done quite well I thought the staging of of the four of them at the end with the blank spot he comes in takes a spot. And he, look, it's 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 predictable, but predictable isn't always bad. It's it's sometimes good. But I like I the like, blocking choice of Walter tossing in the referee for the count too. Yes. kind of directing traffic, and also a little cowardly in some ways. Yes, yes. You know, um, Alexander Wolf is a guy I turned the corner on during that first War Games match where he was spectacular. And also gushing like a faucet because he was just doing the most insane stuff. I loved his run with Eric Young. I thought Sanity was highly, highly underrated. Oh, and there's another guy you could add to the foresight. You could always add Killian Dane. Oh, Killian Dane. He would be an interesting add. Oh, Killian Dane would also be an interesting add into Gallus at some point. I think he's Scottish, right? Yeah, we've made that story in terms of getting rid of Wolfgang and putting in in, uh, Killian Dane. Yeah, especially but, a- after after Wolfgate gets eaten next week in this match against the Hunt, they're going to need a new third member. Here, here's the other thing I really like about about this choice. Um, whereas most of the uh, most of Imperium are deadly, deadly serious at all times with the smug face and the angry face, Alexander Wolf is 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 the is the weirdo, and I like that dynamic. Because he's also probably going to be the guy that blows every match for them. He's going to be the guy you beat here because he is a bit eccentric. And eventually you can get some sympathy when they turn on him. I'm, I'm, I like Alexander Wolf a lot. I wish they had found something for him to do, to do with uh, Sanity on the main roster because I thought that was a really cool gimmick, really cool entrance, especially with the Nikki Cross interactions. But uh, I'll take him here and I'll take him as part of Imperium every day of the week. 
Yeah, I liked Sanity. I thought that they could have been utilized a lot more effectively. I mean, the big problem with Sanity is that WWE just does not how to... The big problem with Sanity is that WWE just does not know how to tell that story of we're here to cause chaos, causing well, there's chaos a secondary, in the... Yeah, there's a secondary problem also in that Sanity doesn't have a star. And the yes, problem, also the true. Problem, or the, the problem, star in this case was Nikki Cross the whole yes. time, and they didn't really ever come around to that, although it should have been fairly obvious when you're looking at Eric Young, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolf, Like Killian Dane, like Alexander Wolf, but they're not stars, they're really solid hands. Yes, they're, they're, and their way of building up stables is one star and cannon fodder, and you can't do that with Nikki Cross and the guys as cannon fodder. Right. Because you can't put them in all those matches. I mean, yeah, so it's kind of understandable why they dropped the ball on that, but uh, again, with the exception of Joseph Connors being on this show, and no offense to anybody who knows Joseph Connors or if he's listening... You know, this isn't personal. Somewhat. I just... This was a solid, solid NXT UK show. I have... Just all three of these shows, I just went... Man, after going through that Saudi show and Raw and SmackDown, I was ready to quit podcasting. I can understand that feeling a lot, Jeff. I I understand where you're coming from (laughs) on... That reaction. Well, for your birthday, I let you quit the main show. So there you go. There's my gift. Oh, 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 that's that's nice of you. It's nice. That's a, Bring that's it all a around. No, you did really solid damage control there. Is there anything else we need to hit here before we wrap this show up? Um, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Get all our episodes there. Our Andy Kaufman, Jim, not Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler episode continues to be a standard in paid for audio i don't care what anybody says it's a deep dive i'll put it up against any other historical wrestling podcast no but seriously like we did some real effort on this and a lot of time and research went into watching kaufman archivally and diving through him talking about all of the wrestling I, I still actually because of that episode have youtube churning up clips of kaufman doing other television spots from all over the place it's funny you can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow just the show and the episodes at Shake Them Ropes. Chris does other podcasts of other various subjects where his co-hosts are nicer to him. Chris, you may plug those now at this time. Yeah, Don't Worry.TV. Actually, during my plugs on Don't Worry, my guest on that last episode was stepping all over me, even though it was my birthday, and I thought it was extremely rude. People are extremely rude to me on my birthday, and it's, it's really quite horrible, and somehow I overcome it. All in the family podcast. I'm not sensitive. I'm not. No, I I think that I'm entitled to a basic level of human dignity that uh, does not not. get afforded to me by my friends. So there we go. And the All in the Family podcast is a great show. So download that as well as Don't Worry About the Government. And that will do it for Shake the Most. We'll be taping the premium episode this weekend. Jeff Hawkins is a terrible friend. True. True.